So maybe so like some of you all, I've been doing a little bit of traveling this summer. My family earlier this uh, in June, we uh, got in the car, packed everything up, and headed down to Florida to the beach. So that meant that we um, went through Kentucky and made our way. We stopped off to see my brother, little, a little side adventure. And so then we had to go through Shelbyville, Tennessee, and, and kind of the mountains back there, made our way through um, all the way through Alabama um, to um, Destin, Florida. And then we've had some time to travel around in the area. We went up in, into Indiana for a little bit of time to see, um, to be up with Melissa's family up in um, French Lick and spent a few days up there. And so we spent a lot of time in the car. Now, I don't know about you all, if you're traveling or doing stuff, there's a lot of stuff to do and you get to see a lot of stuff in the car. But one of the things that I find is difficult sometimes is appreciating what you get to see when you're in the car. Because I was thinking back to it, and it was really kind of interesting because you get to see so many kind of different things as you head down to the beach. But one of the things we found as we were going through the mountains of, um, of Tennessee is it was a little two-lane road that we had to take to get from Murfreesboro over back to the interstate. And so as we were driving on this road, every now and then, uh, Melissa would say, oh, look, that's over there. And I was like, where? And she'd be like, get your hands back on the road. You know, it's like, um, this is really cool, but don't look at it. Okay. Um, and Melissa is always trying to encourage me to drive as best as I can for some reason. And the other thing that I found is that I will be riding along maybe with Beckett in the back. And I will say, look at this beautiful thing. It could be a wonderful vista. It could be a neat kind of sunset, or it even could just be an excavator on the side of the road that he's really excited about. But I would say, hey, look, there's an excavator. Well, Beckett is essentially now still in that car seat that comes up here, and he sits down, and he's like, where? <laughs> so he kind of sees the world like this. You know, and everything is just flying past us. And... It's hard sometimes to take in the beauty of creation that's all around us when we're spending, you know, this time and trying to go 100 miles an hour as we can to get to our destination as fast as we can. So I think it's important that we find ways to slow down, to take in what's around us. There's an opposite end of that spectrum, and that's taking a toddler on a hike. Because generally, this is what it kind of goes like. You get to the, the trailhead, and we're like, okay, we're going to hike. Say, okay. And they go, oh, wow, look, it's a, bu it's a bug. And then you stop. What bug is this? And then they say, we need to keep moving. You get up and walk around. Hey, look, this, look at this. What is this? That's a weed. And then, you know, and they just go from like, it's 10 feet and you've been hiking for 15 minutes. So there's got to be a little bit of like in between. But still, there is something magical and sacred and important about hiking, about slowing down, about taking in all of God's creation on foot and in some ways even doing it together. 
Today's story that we have, the biblical one that, um, that tells us a story from the book of Luke Acts. Now remember, whenever I talk about it today, I'm going to be talking about, I may just say Luke, but I mean Luke Acts. It's two volumes. I know it's separated by John, but it's, it's two parts, and it's important to recognize that because it all connects. But this story that we have here today that Delinda read for us is all about people walking and hiking but getting to a specific place. It's about two of Jesus' disciples, Cleopas and another one that is unnamed. We don't know if that's um, who that is. We don't know their gender. We don't know anything about it. We just know that they're leaving Jerusalem and they're making their way to um, out of town. They're talking and engaging in this discussion, as most folks do. I don't know, any of you have like walking times that you do, uh, like in the morning you meet up with a friend or you go out for an evening hike, maybe with your dog or something like that. Sometimes when I take Lily for a walk, I talk to her. But you know, maybe you, you're with your friend and you start talking, you can't help but start talking about the events of the day, things that are going on around you, and this exact same thing was happening to these disciples. They're making their way along the road. They're not as much worried about all the stuff that's around them, though. You can tell. They're they're focused in where they need to get. They have to get to Emmaus by sunset because they have to find a place where they can eat and spend the night and be safe. It wasn't that they could just pull over to the side of the road or they could just go a little further and turn on the headlights. They, They were really bound by the daylight. And so they're focused, even though they're they're talking, and this person comes up alongside them, and it It's fascinating. They've spent all this time with Jesus. They've been going through all of this, and they still don't recognize him. At first, it's kind of jarring, and it kind of gets me, and I'm like, why wouldn't they recognize Jesus? But I don't know about you all, but sometimes I get caught up in all the things that are going on in my life the things that are going on around me that are happening that I think to me, and I get like tunnel vision. And life goes right past me, but I'm going 100 miles an hour, I have a place to go, and I tune out everything, even folks that are walking alongside me. So then sometimes I'll think, you know, it's not that surprising that they didn't recognize him. But there's something about that happens on this way, on this road, on this hike that these people are going on. They connect in a way that they begin to recognize that he has something to give them. It's interesting enough, the word that's used for who this person is that's walking alongside them, this stranger, is person that's not from their home or their their land. It is someone who is other to them. That's who Jesus is. And so as they're walking, they ignore the person that is not from where they are. But he begins to open up the scriptures and talking about who God is and opening up stories that he has known. And they begin to connect and they begin to find a way in which that they're connected and find this relationship that by the time they make it to Emmaus, they're begging him, please stay with us, sit down, eat with us. And it is there that they experience who God is. This idea of journeying, walking together, 
is found all through Luke-Acts. In fact, even into Acts, when they start talking about how the church is first formed, they don't call it a church. They don't call it an organization. They don't call it a religion. They call it the way. They call it a path, something that you are walking in daily ways together. Hiking is really like that. And I hope that you all have gotten to hike. Hiking has been a lot to me. It, it has from very earliest moments. I, it's fascinating. I don't remember too much hiking with my family. I do remember when I was younger, we would go to um, Land Between the Lakes because we lived in Owensboro, Kentucky. And we would go down there and we would hike or ride bikes in amongst the, the trails and along the bike paths down there in the state parks. I remember myself hiking in different places around in South Georgia with my family in just kind of a, a just a, a, an organic way. It was never like, get your backpack, we're going out hiking kind of thing. Until I got to be in um, 10th grade, or not 10th grade, when I was 10 years old, and I joined Cub Scouts. And we started going on some more kind of organized hikes. And then when I was 11 years old, over the summer, I was invited by my church group to go hiking in the Smoky Mountains. It was going to be three days, 30 miles of hiking. I trained, got myself a uh, backpack, had an aluminum frame, lots of canvas, and tons of bungee cords. Thank God for bungee cords. Strapped everything to it. I needed to start training. You know what I did? Took encyclopedias. Kids, if you don't know what an encyclopedia is, ask your grandparents. <laughs> I took A through M, threw it in the back of my pack, and headed off. I got about 100 yards and walked back. <laughs> I took out half of them and said, there's no way I need food. And so, but I, I hiked around the neighborhood. That was my training, breaking in my hiking boots that I had. I remember that trip, all kinds of incredible memories. I went with my best friend. His name was Ara Gregorian. He's an incredible violinist today. I don't know if he hikes anymore. I don't even know if he remembers this. We shared a tent. We had to put it up in the rain sometimes. We had to take it down ourselves, had to pack up all of our stuff. I remember the night that we were in the tent and we heard this commotion. We stuck our heads out the tent flaps. What's going on? Wild boars are in the camp. Just stay in your tent. I got my pocket knife. Ara got some rocks. We had a plan. We were going to defeat these wild boars and we had to do it in hand-to-hand -hand combat. But Ara and I, would, we'd lay down. I mean, we were exhausted. We'd hike like 8 to 10 miles each day. It seemed like we were going uphill both ways. You know? We, should, we probably should have been at the top of Everest by all the places that we'd, we'd hiked. But, but we were dead tired, but we were still staying there in our, in our sleeping bags. We're best friends. We're spending all the time together in the summer playing baseball, doing all this stuff. And we still had stuff to talk about as we laid there on our, on our sleeping bags and talked. We had to cook our own food. I remember I was not the fastest hiker, so I was generally in the back. Because there were some kids that were older than I was, that was there were high schoolers, and, and and I was just, I mean, I was just this little puny kid with my big backpack. And and I remember Gary Belfield, who was a youth leader of mine in the back, helping me. 
when things got too tough, he, I'd feel that. He would grab the back of my backpack with his arm and kind of lift it up and help me a little bit, give me a little bit of respite from the pressure on my shoulders and my hips. And then we'd talk. He'd talk about life and things that I was going through. John Morton was the leader of our group. He watched out for us, made sure that we had everything that we needed in our packs and actually things that we didn't. I remember sitting down the night before we headed out on the trail, and he said, I need you to unpack your pack. I was like, why are we doing that? That seems silly. I've already packed it. He said, trust me, let's do that. So we all took our stuff, and we unpacked our backpacks. And he looked over, and I looked over the next guy next to me. He had a canned ham. <laughs> Mr. Morton looked at him and goes, what are you going to do with that? He was like, eat it? He was like, you're carrying that thing in, and you're carrying the metal out? He's like, no. He's like, good. Tossed it up to the side. He was helpful in that way, what we needed to have. Where are your plastic bags? What, we need plastic bags? Why? Because things are going to get wet, and we don't want certain things to get wet. I've continued to hike throughout the years. It's been something that it's been important to me. Sometimes it's just me and Lily heading down to the gorge, and we head out, and we're just throwing the backpack, throw a snack in the back, throw a little collapsible water bag, and we go out. We meet people along the way. You sit and talk with them. You chat with them as you walk along. Sometimes I've taken youth groups. I remember the time we went out on a, on a hike, and I told them, I said, make sure you bring a water bottle. Makes sense. We're going out onto the trail. We get about a mile in, and one of the girls comes up to me, and she says, Chad, I, I'm really thirsty. And I was like, I'm glad you brought your water bottle. She's like, yeah, I need to fill it up at the next water fountain. Just let that sink in for a second. So we ended up all sharing a little bit of our water with her so she had enough for the day hike. But that's, you know, we, we kind of chuckle about that. But if you don't know, if you've never been hiking, this young lady had never been hiking before in her life. Do you all hike? Do you explore? Have you, ever, have you ever put your backpack on, thrown a sandwich in the back, and, and taken your, uh, your water bottle or your old canteens and put it on your hip? I'd like for you to turn around to somebody around you right now, and I'd like for you to share if you've ever been hiking or if they have ever been hiking. How are the ways that we continue to connect over our heights? Because here's the thing. Hiking gets at the very essence of who we are. That, yes, it may be that there is a journey that's going on, but if you've ever talked to people who have hiked the Appalachian Trail or the Pacific Coast Trail, or even just gone out to hike for a certain thing, if you've gone down to the Pinnacles to hike for the day, you may have a destination that you want to get to. But the reality is sometimes, sometimes you have 10, 13 miles in you, other times you get eight, and that's when you need to slow down and you need to pitch your tent at the campsite that's there. 
It's not always about the destination. It's about what happens along the way. Those through hikers, if you've ever done any reading or exploring, exploring about that, they get nicknames. Okay? And it's funny. Sometimes they're everything from like toad to mountain girl to, you know, to, to geeky guy or, you know, whatever it might be. But it has to do with who they are. They are given the name while they're hiking because of who they are and how people get to know them. And that's the thing about hiking. When you're on a trail and you're hiking with someone, you can't really not engage with them. You find that you have a connection, that you cheer each other on, that while you're hiking, you need someone to kind of hold you accountable, that, you, that is there when you... Don't feel like going 100 miles an hour when you need to slow back a little bit. That tells you that it's okay. Or maybe says, hey, can you get just a little bit further inside you? Dig a little bit deeper. That we recognize the communality of living that happens in those moments. There's also something beautiful, again, about taking the time and working to see part of God's creation. There are so many times, and uh, Nikki's going to talk about this hopefully at, at, at offering, but where you'll, you'll be hiking in the woods, and I've remembered times that I've come out, and you come out from the trees, and you just see this beautiful view that you didn't even know was there behind all these trees. You were in the midst of everything. And then there's also the ways that you overcome adversity in the midst of it. Have you ever been hiking? And something happens and you turn your foot or you, you know, you just feel your knee aching a little bit. The, the arthritis begins to work, but you work through that. You continue to move through it. And while the pain may still be there, the uncomfortableness is still there, you recognize that in the midst of that is also joy and this opportunity to be out in God's creation in that way. Hiking also gives us the understanding that we get a chance to recognize how we live together with creation, how we have to care for it. I was always reminded that when I was going to make a fire in the evening, it was, we didn't want to take off the limbs, cut something off from a living tree, grab the limb and pull it down ourselves or to leave some kind of mark that we wanted to find some logs that had been off to the side, or um, even the ways that we carried in certain firewood now we're finding spreads different disease. That way, the way we live, the ways that we, that we hike, the ways that we camp, the ways that we interact with nature has, has a mark, leaves a mark. It has a connection piece. All of these things remind us about what the gospel is all about. And it's so important, so important that we continue to nurture those parts of living and those experiences in life to remind us how God speaks to us through those moments. I pray you get to get out this summer and hike. It might be a short one. It might be around Whitehall on a paved path. It may just be from your house down to the, to the, uh, um, down to the um, mailbox and back. But I hope that you take some time to experience creation, 
you find a good hiking partner, and you allow those moments to speak to you. And may they be sacred and holy ones. Take care. As Ken reminded me, happy trails to you <laughs> until we meet again. Or maybe you just go along the path laughing. <laughs> go in peace and have fun. Amen. Thank you for listening to the White Oak Pond Christian Church Podcast. We hope that it's been a blessing to you this day. White Oak Pond seeks to be a place where we accept one person at a time to Christ's never-ending and forgiving love. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you can receive sermons each and every week. And also rate us. It really helps. Thank you again, and may you know joy in powerful ways this week.